just a few nights ago, um, Mandy and I and the girls got out and looked again at our photo albums and it's something that we just love doing. We pull it out and we remember different times where we've been away or different events, someone's birthday. We often look at Georgia when she was just a little girl because she used to, when you said smile, she'd just go. <laughs> so every time we see that photo, we all just laugh at her and say, that's what you were like. And photo albums are a great thing because they help us remember. And they help us remember uh, what our life has been like and the highs and lows in our life. And that helps in our identity. It helps us remember that we're just not people that were living today without any history. Now, when we look back at our wedding photos or at our times that we've had away, we remember that we've had a life filled of great experiences. I think Jesus knew that remembering is very important when it comes to who you are as a person and significant things that have shaped your life. And so on the night before he was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples in the upper room and he shared with them the Lord's Supper. And as he shared with them, he said, do this in remembrance of me. What did Jesus want his followers and those that would follow him right down, to the, right down through the ages, right up until today, to remember as we gather around this table? Or to remember Jesus and all that God has done for us in sending him. Uh, it says in Mark, when it records what happened the following day, that Jesus knew would be happening to him. This is what Mark's gospel records when Jesus was crucified. It says it was nine in the morning when the crucifixion took place, Mark 15. A signboard was fastened to the cross above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, the king of the Jews, two criminals were crucified there with him. Their crosses on either side of his. And the people passing by shouted abuse shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yelled. You can destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, can you? Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed. But he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so that we can see it and believe him. Even the two criminals who are being crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then, at that time, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lamak samathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a stick so he could drink. Leave him alone. Let's see whether Elijah will come and take him down, he said. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. The curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, truly, this was the Son of God. What did Jesus want us to remember? 
Did he want us to remember all the mocking and the, and the anger and the hatred, the abuse that he copped? Well, I think he, he probably did. The suffering, yes. But Jesus wanted to remember the fact that God wants us to remember that at this time as we gather around that what happened on that cross has changed our whole lives for those who trust in him. See, the Bible clearly says that every person who has ever been created has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Uh, No matter how good you think your life has been, compared to God and all his goodness, God has never sinned and compared to him you fall far short. And we can try and earn our way to God, but it just doesn't make any difference because our lives compared to him are so different. And sin is just a part of our lives. And so we were separated from God and we were cut off from him because of our sin. And then Jesus, in his death, paid the penalty for our sin. So that rather than being a block between us and God, Jesus paid it in full and now we can have a relationship with him. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death and Jesus paid that in his own body. The sinless one died for our sin. God wants us to remember that he died in our place. We deserved death because of our sin. But Jesus took it upon himself and died for us. For those that have understood Jesus' death and come to a place where they've made a personal decision to respond to Christ and to accept his death on the cross, to turn from our sin and now live for him because of his forgiveness. Jesus' death is worth remembering. His resurrection is worth holding on to and affirming. Christ has died. He's died in my place. I've responded and put my trust in him. I'm forgiven. He lives in me. And now because he's alive, I will never die. What great news, isn't it? That's worth opening the photo albums of our Christian journey with regularly. As we do that today, let's remember with thankfulness all that Jesus has done. Let's pray together. Gail's going to lead us. Lord, we just thank you so much that now we have a great high priest that is seated at the right hand of the Father, that has gone before us. And because of the cross, we can now come boldly to the throne of grace. Lord, we can come, we have access to the Father because of the cross. Our sins have been forgiven and we can come boldly to that throne. That's just so amazing, Lord. We thank you so much because your word goes on to say that it is there that we will receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Lord, we know that we, are, we have been sinners and we know that even now we still sin, but we have that access to the Father because of what you've done for us at the cross. 
Lord, we have life and your word tells us that we have life in all its fullness. We thank you, Jesus, so much for what you did for us at that cross, that you forgave our sins, that you wiped the slate clear. And Lord, as we come now to partake of this bread that represents your body and this wine that represents your blood that was shed for us, Lord, may we just remember with just such amazing gratitude the incredible cost but also the incredible gift at Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have put your trust in Jesus and are thankful for all that he's done, uh, share in this meal with us. All that will be happening is you'll be served firstly the bread and then the, the cup. And if you'll take those together as you serve them, and as you take the bread, why don't you eat it as you served it and say thanks. He, Christ died for you personally. You've received that. You've asked him into your life. Accept that and say thank you, God, for dying for me. Then hold on to the cup and together we'll drink that together. And it's a sign that we're part of God's family. Uh, this is God's church, God's family. And as we drink together, we'll signify that we're not alone in this. One of the things you'll notice is that I'm going to serve the people that are serving here and then they will serve at the end of the rows and you'll serve each other. It's just saying that you know, we're all as important and part of this family as each other. Uh, as you serve, as I serve, everyone serves each other. This is a fellowship where love is shared, where gifts are shared, where communion is shared together. Let's serve one another as we remember all that Christ has done. Well, I, sometimes I get some offers and um, I really don't take them up. You know, what happens is I, I weigh up the cost of responding to that offer and I think, is it really worth it, you know, responding to this? Like some people say, do you want to go down to Melbourne and watch Hawthorne play any other team? You know, I think about the chances of them winning. I have, I'm a Hawthorne supporter and I'm sad to even have to publicly say this, but, you know, I, I, I weigh up the costs of, you know, whether I want to travel all that way and sit through a game and come back sadly, and I have to say, you know, why bother? <laughs> why bother? You know, sometimes, sometimes Mandy and I, on our holidays, we'll be sitting on the beach in lawn, you know, and we'll be sitting there thinking nothing to do, you know, in our in our bathers, getting a great tan. And then all of a sudden, like this huge bloke with big muscles out everywhere would walk by and, you know, all the girls around would start looking and I'd look at Mandy and I'd think, maybe I should do a bit more working out. <laughs> then I'd think about it a bit more and i think, why bother? <laughs> and she says, I don't need to bother either. <laughs> You know, there are some things in life where you weigh up whether it's really worth it, all the effort, 
uh, or not, and whether you should bother about it or not. You know, some of you this morning might have been hearing last week's message where Paul said to the church in Colossae, you know, devote yourselves to prayer. You know, and we, thought, we, we talked about you know, never giving up and persisting in prayer. And some of you might think, well, I'm busy. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I pray and I don't see answers. Sometimes I ask God for things that I want and I don't see the answers. And you think, why bother? Why bother with prayer? Well, this morning, I want to give you some reasons why I think it's really important for us to bother with prayer. When it comes to prayer, God answers. God hears our prayers and he answers. Look what he said in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then the promise is I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Hear God saying prayer matters. Why bother? Because prayer makes a difference. Here, God's saying to the people that he would actually even heal their land. He'd forgive their sins. It can affect the whole nation prayer. But there are so many reasons this morning why you and I should be considering praying persistently, devotedly, and not giving up through our lives. And the first reason that I think that we should pray is because when I pray, about my worries, I receive God's presence, God's peace. I receive God's peace. You know, what, what can often happen is we get our worries in our lives and we grab hold of them. You know, it's almost like we grab them in our arms and we say, oh, I've got all these worries and concerns and these problems that I have. And when we open our arms to, God's, uh, to God and we give them to God, our worries, and we let him have them, we receive God's peace. as we do. Look what Paul says here in Philippians chapter 4 and verses 6 to 7. He says, do not worry if you've got a pen and you've got your um, outline there, which is in your news sheet today. You, you could circle that, you know, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray, you could circle that, about everything. You know, so instead of worrying Give our worries to God. Uh, don't worry about them. Give them to God. Pray about everything. You know, we've said before, one of the ways to do this is to take all your worries and write them down and make a worry list. You know, really, really make a worry list. And then it says, don't worry about anything. So cross off the top worry list and make it prayer list and change your worry list into a prayer list. And then you'll see that God's peace will come into your hearts. Look what it says. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than human minds can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in, God's, in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise that if we pray and we bring our worries to God, he will replace it with his peace. Prayer makes a difference. You can turn panic into peace. 
Don't be anxious. Pray. And out of that will come peace. I want to ask you this morning, what are you anxious about? What are you worried about in your life? And perhaps some of you are worried about being single. Perhaps today you're thinking, I, I want to be married. This is what I want to do. I want to be married and I haven't found someone yet. And you're thinking to yourself, what's wrong with me? Maybe you're thinking, I'm getting older, time's running out. Some of you might have children already and you're thinking, I need to find a husband or a wife now for my kids. And anxiety levels rise and worry continues. God's saying to us through his word, when we pray about our worries, he'll give us our peace. Maybe you're feeling uh, like you're getting older and some of the things you used to be able to do freely are just not as comfortable as they were before. Maybe you're needing to rely more and more on other people's help and you're starting to worry about that. Maybe you're uh, just turning it over in your mind over and over again. And prayer can make a difference in that. Give your concerns over to God. Leave them with him. Say, God, this is what I'm concerned about and I want to give it to you now. Take it and ask him to give you his peace. It might be today that you've uh, got an illness or a sickness and you know exactly what you want God to be doing uh, and you'll find yourself thinking about it. You know, up late at night, maybe thinking right through all about the concerns and the worries of, of the sickness that you might have. And this verse, Philippians 4, 6, and right through the Bible, we see when people have come to God and said, God, you know that I am sick. I want to be healed. But God, I want what you want. I'm trusting in you. I'm giving it to you. You look after it can transform our worry into God's peace. It's great to know God's peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou wilt keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You know, if your mind is stayed on God, if you're continuing to give things over to him, he'll give you his peace. And 1 Peter 5 and verse 7 says, Cast all your cares upon him. Cast all of your concerns upon him because he cares for you. He wants to take your worries. Prayer can make a difference because when we pray, he gives us his peace. Why else should we pray? Well, another reason is because when I pray in the midst of my circumstances, whatever's going on in my life, I invite God's power to be at work. So when I pray and I ask him and I cry out for God to God, in the midst of my daily life and my desires, I receive God's power. Do you ever notice that when you sometimes find that you haven't been praying at all, you sometimes think, God, I'm not getting anything. Nothing seems to be going right. Nothing seems to be working. I don't see any results in my life. But when we surrender our lives to him, and ask for his power uh, in the midst of our circumstances. He brings it. Look at Psalm 62, verse 11. It says, power, O God, belongs to you. So we should come and ask for that in prayer and cry out to him. And James 
5 and verse 16, uh, we could turn to that together if you have that there, uh, is an incredible um, little few verses together. It says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. And look what goes on in verse 17. Elijah uh, was as human as we are. Yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. He prayed for rain and down it poured. The grass turned green and the crops began to grow again. God's power can be released as we pray and as we pray in our circumstances and whatever we face, as we cry out to him, we can ask for his power to be at work. You know, power can be seen in our lives in our daily witness, in our family and in our church. Uh, you know, in the ch- early church when they prayed, um, they prayed and God's power was seen work- working incredibly. Remember in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, it says that they meant constantly for prayer. They prayed together constantly. And then we see later on in that first verse, the power of the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost after they've been waiting for, for such a long time for God's power to be at work. And here it came. You see, when we pray, we, we invite God's power to be at work in our lives. The English Preacher Sidlow Baxter, when he Sidlow Baxter, when he was 85 years of age, said, "I've pastored only three churches in my more than 60 years of ministry. We had revival in every one, and not one of them came as a result of my preaching." And he was a very good preacher. They came as a result of the membership entering to a covenant to pray until revival came, and it did. See, they were praying for God's power, and it came. Roy uh, Pointer, after extensive research in Baptist churches in the United Kingdom, arrived at this conclusion uh, that wherever he saw there was positive growth in churches, there was one recurring factor. They were all praying churches. So as we pray, we are inviting God's power to be at work in our church. You see, the reason why prayer makes such a difference in, in, um, in inviting God's power is that the church is a, a living organism. It's a creation uh, of God. It's God's creation. And Christ is at its head. We've seen that in Colossians, that Christ is the head of the church. And it's from him that all life flows. And uh, we've got this responsibility to cooperate with God in what he wants to do in our church and in our lives. And we know, as we've read this morning in Psalm 127, that unless the Lord builds the house, we labour in vain in our struggles. Someone moving from the kingdom of darkness and being rescued into God's kingdom is not a, a thing that we can control and we can make happen It's a spiritual, supernatural process. God must be at work in that to happen. And so we must pray and pray for God's power to be at work in the lives of people in Wodonga, in Albury, in the areas all around, in the people that we meet at work, in our neighbourhood, in our street, and pray that God would be at work and we invite his power into our street, into our lives, into our 
all the people that we meet. See, it's the Father who draws. John uh, 6.44 says, unless the Father draws us. And it's the Holy Spirit who convicts and he causes us uh, confessions to be made and he compels us to, be, uh, to come to know Jesus and he strengthens and he empowers us and he guides us into truth and he gives us spiritual gifts as 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks all about and therefore building up the church and so we could cry out for God for his power to be at work in our church. It's a supernatural process. And unless we cry out, we may not see some of the power that God might do in our lives. Nothing that matters will occur except in answer to prayer because God is the one that's bringing about, that brings about the supernatural changes in people's lives. I wonder when you think about God's power at work in your life, can you imagine how your life might be completely different waking up each morning and saying, God, this morning I have some things that I want to get done. But I realise that if I just do them in my strength and for my own purposes, I might just get a result that's just humanly speaking. But this morning I'm inviting your power, God, to be at work in my life. And would you work through me to bring about your purposes? God, would you help the things that I do to be done in your strength? And Ephesians 3 says, you know, now to the God who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ever asked and imagined, his power is at work within us. We can see results that are far out what, outweigh what our logical thoughts might be. It seems that sometimes when I'm faced with the most overwhelming challenges, is when I cry out the most for God's power to be at work. And often I see him come through more in ways than I could ever have hoped in my own strength. So we should pray uh, in the midst of circumstances because that in, uh, there we invite God's power. And we can pray in the midst of our worries because then I can receive God's peace. Another time when we can, why we should pray, another reason why we should bother with prayer is because when I pray in my daily activities, I experience God's presence. I experience God's presence when I come to him each day and each moment of the day. And when I'm going about my daily activities prayerfully, I know that he's with me. You know, uh, Brother Lawrence um, was an incredible monk monk who gave uh, um, his life in service in the monastery. He wasn't very famous in his own lifetime, but he wrote a little book about practising the presence of God. And he, he just found delight in peeling potatoes in the kitchen at the monastery for the glory of God. And he said that as he peeled potatoes, he, he, he did it for God's glory and in prayer. And he experienced God's presence in an incredible way. And the psalmist writes in Psalm 27 and verse 8, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. God desires to know us personally and intimately in each and every activity of our life. And he wants to be invited into every area of yours. So you can give thanks to him 
as you're getting dressed in the morning. You can give thanks to him as you're driving your car. You can pray to him for strength at all circumstances. You remember when uh, Nehemiah came before the king and asked for his request and right while he was just about to ask, he said, Lord, grant me favour today. And then he asked his request. Right through the day, we can give thanks to him. We pray right through the day so that we can have his, we can experience God's presence and we can have communion with God. And the reason we do this is because we, we actually have fellowship with God through his Holy Spirit. Most of the time when we think of prayer, we do so thinking of ourselves as being the centre of the universe and we've got all our needs that we need and we need God to answer our needs and we come and we say, God, can you give me this? Can you give me that? Can you give me this? But God says, I want to just love you. Like praying and asking for things is not bad in and of itself, but God wants to have communion, communion with us, to know us, to come and be part of everything. It says God is love. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8. And, and God wants to share his love with us. And he wants to let us know how much he does love us and delights in us. And we can't actually experience that if we just don't talk to him. Imagine a husband and wife who decided that they would never talk to each other. Uh, and although they loved each other, they just never spend time together. It would be a terrible marriage. And love needs to be shared and expressed. So daily talking with God and fellowship with him helps us know that our lives are not just lives that are lived here far away from God, but he's intimate and right woven through all that we're doing. We can pray to him, we can ask for strength, we can talk to him and we can know his father love right in our day. So when I pray in my daily activities, I experience God's presence. It's another reason why we should bother with prayer. Why else? Well, when I pray in times of uncertainty, I understand God's plans. Proverbs 3, uh, 5 and 6 is a, a, just a, a wonderful verse. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. I, I don't know about you, but there has been so many times in my life where there has been two good alternatives presented to me. Um, I can think of so many times when I have not known which of the two good things to choose. And these have been times when I have just thrown myself into prayer and said, God, I just don't know. Would you help me? Would you help me? I can remember times uh, when we were at Baronia Baptist Church, the one I'd grown up with from since I was five years old, uh, right up till about 28 years old. And I remember uh, the Baptist Union saying, well, because you want to be ordained, you need to leave Baronia Baptist Church. I said, well, how? that's ridiculous, I said to Mandy. What, why would they want us just to leave? Uh, a church where we've been at for that long, building great relationships, and why would we have to leave that? And, and so we said, we'll go away and we're going to pray about this and God will tell us to stay. And then we're going to uh, tell the Baptist Union, God's told us to stay and that'll be bad luck for them, you know. 
And so we went away, Mandy and I, we spent a day at a sort of uh, place way out of town and we, we, we prayed together. We came back for morning tea and said, how's it all going? Good. We went off again and then we came back for lunch, had lunch together and then went off and prayed more. And as we drove back and shared the things that we had been experiencing on there, we just felt so clearly that God was saying, it's time for you to leave. You know, there were so many verses uh, that came to us that God spoke spoke clearly to us about, about uh, Joshua taking over, this young Joshua going out and stepping ahead and God would give him the strength and the courage. We had little images of like eagles pushing out their young out of the nest and we were saying, okay, God, we really feel like you're speaking. See, prayer makes such a difference in times of uncertainty. We can actually understand God's plans for the future when we pray. Uh, the way God answers is often different for me when I go and ask. There's times when he answers in completely different ways. Some people hear audible voices. I, I, I don't. I, I tend to hear, uh, have a real strong sense that God is speaking to me from a verse or from something, a real conviction that I have. Um, but God speaks as we pray and we need to respond and hear him. I wonder what things God might be wanting to help you out with at the moment. Maybe there's a new job or, a, or a, a, a difference that you're wanting to make in your giving. Or maybe there's a, a challenge for you that you're just not sure about in the future. Why not take a few hours away just before God and say, God, would you speak to me? Would you give me guidance on this? Because God loves to lead us. Fifthly, when I pray in the middle of oppression, I come under God's protection. Uh, Stuart Robinson in his uh, book, Positioning for Prayer, writes that on the 23rd of January 1997, a fact arrived in my office and it had come overnight from an international mission headquarters office in London. They had received news of one of their medical missionaries who was giving a deputation talk in Michigan in the United States. This missionary worked in Africa. At the meeting in the church, he was telling the people how he had travelled everywhere two weeks. Uh, uh, sorry, he was telling the people how he travelled every two weeks by bicycle through the jungle to a nearby city for supplies. This required him to camp out overnight halfway. On one of those trips, he saw two men fighting in the city where he bought his medicine. One was seriously injured, so he treated him and witnessed to him about Jesus Christ. Then he returned home without incident. He continues the story as follows. Upon arriving in the city several weeks later, I was approached by the man I had treated earlier. He told me that he had known I was carrying money and medicine. He said, some friends and I followed you into the jungle knowing you would camp overnight. We waited for you to go to sleep and planned to kill you and take your money and drugs. Just as we were about to go into your campsite, we saw that you were surrounded by 26 armed guards. I laughed at this and said I was certainly alone out there in the jungle campsite. But the young man pressed the point. He said, no, sir. I was the only one 
to see the guards. Oh, oh, sorry. No, I was not the only one to see the guards. My friends also saw them and we all counted them and there were 26. It was because of those 26 guards that we were afraid and left you alone. At this point in the church presentation in Michigan, a man jumped up and interrupted the missionary and asked, can you please tell me the exact time and place when this happened? Then the missionary thought for a while and recalled the date and the man in in the congregation told his side of the story. On that night in Africa, it was morning here. I was preparing to play golf. As I put my bags in the car, I felt the Lord leading me to pray for you. In fact, the urging was so strong that I called the men of this church together to pray for you. Will all of those who met me that day please stand? The men who had been there and, and prayed stood together and there were 26 men that had prayed and stood. Paul writes that we are not fighting against uh, people made of flesh and blood, uh, but against the rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. You know, Satan wants to destroy what godly people are doing. But prayer makes a difference. Uh, prayer makes a difference in, in protecting God's people. And your prayers for Christian leaders can make an incredible difference. Your prayers for me can, can protect me from uh, struggles and temptations. Your, your prayer for Gail and for Phil and for other leaders in your ministry areas can, can really help. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 6.18, Uh, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. Uh, Satan wants to stop our church from going ahead. He wants to destroy your family and, and your kids and he wants to turn people off all around you from following him, from following Jesus. So pray, pray, pray that God would protect your family, that God would keep you from temptation. Uh, Remember Jesus said to his disciples, keep alert and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you. Here's just some simple points for you this morning to say why prayer is important and why when Paul says devote yourself to prayer that we should because prayer makes a difference and it really makes a difference in our lives. And I think that the future for a church that prays, the future for a a Christian who prays, the future for a family that prays is one that will be lived knowing God, knowing his protection, knowing his power, knowing his plans, knowing his purposes, knowing all about uh, his plans for our lives. So let's be people who pray. Let's be a church that continues to pray. And now let's pray. Oh God, we want to thank you for the privilege of being able to pray to you. God, we want to thank you that when we face all different types of situations, that we can cry out to you and you hear us. God, we pray that you would help us to be those that bring our worries to you, whatever they are, and that we would receive your peace. God, that we would pray 
to you in the midst of all our circumstances and we would receive your power. Oh God, we pray that tomorrow and the day after and in all our daily activities that we'd be praying to you so that we would know your presence flooding our lives. Oh God, in times when we just don't know where to turn, we pray that we would turn to you first and that you would guide us and, and show us your plans. And God, would you keep us uh, under your wing and under your arm of protection as we live for you. God, we don't want Satan to have any part in our lives. We want to live for you. So God, would we those, be those that pray in the middle of oppression for your protection. God, we love you and we thank you for the privilege of prayer. This week, help us to continue to pray, devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I know this morning, if you could just take out your news sheets and in there is a blue card and just love you to spend just a few moments um, filling out the blue cards. There might be a prayer request. I'm just overwhelmed every week as I look through the, the prayer notes of the number of prayer requests that, that we have. And uh, we have people that pray each week for things that you um, put on those cards. It might be that you're wanting to make a decision this morning or to communicate something to us. Please feel free to do that just in these next few moments.